0: Euronet Plus Panorama is a weekly review of European news broadcast by our network of EU radio stations.
1: In our main story this week, Europe attempts to keep in step as warfare moves increasingly online. We also look at Bulgaria's uncomfortable position as the main obstacle to North Macedonian accession talks, EU treaty reform and how the already fragile Brexit agreement is threatening to come apart at the seams. While the physical war continues in Ukraine, Europe is also bracing itself for a war on several virtual fronts in the years to come. Not only are member states waking up to military threats, they are also coming to terms with the need to wage a battle of nerves against disinformation. Since the pandemic, the European Commissioner for Values and Transparency, Vera Jorová, has been tasked with investigating the information space and evaluating the threats out there. She concludes that, yes, the European Union is definitively embroiled in an information war, as she tells Latvia's radio.
2: I don't want to say relaxed, but we didn't take any action, concrete action against that, because we believe that the freedom of speech has a priority and we should not be extremely nervous about that. We trust the people that they can make their choice and they, can, they are not so easily brainwashed. But then with the war we realized that the disinformation campaigning is used as a weapon against us. The time of war is the time when we see clearly who is who. And I asked especially the big digital platforms to proactively be detecting the pieces and, and concentrated strong waves of Russian propaganda and, and to start removing or at least downranking the them lower in, in, so, so to decrease the, the readership.
1: According to Bojidar Bojanov, Bulgaria's Minister of Electronic Governance, Bulgaria and several other Eastern European countries serve as a base for coordinated troll factories, which are paying people to generate and circulate misleading content on social networks. In this context, the Bulgarian government has set up a new media monitoring unit. The new unit is designed to monitor all forms of media for targeted misinformation, but, unlike the country's independent Council for Electronic Media, does not have the power to regulate or sanction. And nor should it, Bodjanov stresses in a Bulgarian national radio interview.
0: There is a body in the country that is explicitly charged with the policy of protecting against hybrid threats, including targeted misinformation. Note that we are guided by one basic principle that neither the government nor any large corporation should decide what is true and what is not, or have the power to block something simply because it decides to do so. We do not, so to speak, carry arms to fight, we analyze.
1: And with Europe increasingly falling prey to Russian and other cyber attacks, our future defence policy will also centre on cyber security. In a conversation with Kuku Radio, Estonia's IT minister Andres Schut regrets that cyber security often receives no attention until it's too late. He cites the example of the major ransomware attack on the Irish Health Service a year ago.
0: The cyber threat was already bad before. But Russia's aggression in Ukraine has made it many times worse. If we think about how many new e-services, digital services have emerged or are emerging, not just in Estonia but worldwide, trillions are being invested in them globally. If we do not increase our investment in cybersecurity, we will collectively become more vulnerable. Often, for example, in private companies, cybersecurity is just an expense item. It is left to the last, and all other developments take priority. I think there is a very good awareness of this among experts. The question is how well it is understood at different levels of governance, including at the political level. In the case of Ireland, for example, where the whole health system went down and has cost over 100 million to rebuild, it is hard to think that it can be ignored politically. Yet Poland's
1: prime minister, Mateusz Morawiecki, insists that all nato countries are now throwing money at cybersecurity as they know all too well that hackers have the power to cripple a country's defense system on wednesday the 25th of may Morawiecki was visiting Siltek, a polish cyber security company that manufactures equipment to safeguard classified and sensitive information as polski radio reports
0: There is a de facto war being waged in cyberspace that can hit systems and paralyze the defense systems of a country like Ukraine, but also a country like Poland. All NATO countries know this, and that's why today huge investments are being made in this area. I'm happy and proud that it is from here, Bruszkow, that Siltet is exporting its solutions to all NATO countries.
1: At the European level, on the thirteenth of May, member states reached a political agreement with the European Parliament on the Commission's new Network and Information Security Directive. This so-called NIS II directive effectively obliges a wider range of sectors and organisations to take steps to reduce their cybersecurity risks. Following the historic victory of a nationalist party in Northern Ireland's fifth of May elections with Sinn Féin taking 29% of the vote to the Democratic Unionist Party's 21.3%, tensions have reignited between the EU and the UK over the hard-won and never popular Northern Ireland Protocol. The Northern Ireland Assembly can only nominate its First Minister and get to work with the DUP's cooperation. And the DUP is sitting on its hands owing to concerns over the Protocol. With Unionists insisting the protocol be repealed as it creates a customs border in the Irish Sea, Boris Johnson is in the process of drawing up legislation to override the commitments he signed up to in the Brexit negotiations. The EU's response has been bullish, and a full-on trade war threatens to ignite, with Commission officials reportedly looking into imposing tariffs on a series of British goods. With accusations of inflexibility and an unwillingness to compromise flying in both directions, the Irish Foreign Minister recently expressed frustration that his country was caught in the crossfire. Dalia Asanavidchute, a Lithuanian MP and former chair of the UK's Lithuanian community, agrees that Ireland is the main victim of this political standoff. However, she also tells Ginu Radias that the EU must not back down over the Northern Ireland Protocol.
3: Brexit was unlikely to happen at all, precisely because of Northern Ireland. Well, what happened, happened, and a lot of factors have converged here. It is now desirable for Northern Ireland to have easier economic conditions, to remain in the free economic area, but there can be no absolute concessions. Britain chose to withdraw from the Union, with all the consequences that this entails. If the EU gives up now, Northern Ireland will become a kind of gap, and that is something the Union should not allow.
1: Yet other voices urge caution. When asked by the BBC about the risk of a breakdown in Western unity during the war in Ukraine, Poland's Prime Minister Mateusz Morawiecki explained that we will be handing all the cards to Putin if a trade war ensues between the UK and the EU. Polsky Radio shares his comments.
0: We want to work out towards a compromise. Only Putin and our enemies will be happy with yet another disagreement between such close partners as the United Kingdom and the European Union. United we are strong, divided we are very weak.
1: Sofia is facing mounting pressure to remove the obstacles to North Macedonia's EU accession talks after MEPs from across the political spectrum overwhelmingly voted in favour of the Parliament's latest resolution on the 19th of May. The resolution, which most Bulgarian MEPs voted against, explicitly calls on Bulgaria and North Macedonia to swiftly find an agreement that resolves bilateral issues in order to prevent further delays and barriers to the accession process. Socialist MEP Petar Vitanov tells BNR that Bulgaria's position is not well understood at EU level, but that the kind of pressure Brussels is exerting on Sofia will only lead to anti-European sentiments on the streets of Bulgaria not to mention the downfall of the government. If Bulgaria retreats from
0: its position and, even with his great desire to do so, if the Bulgarian Prime Minister decides to open the door to starting EU negotiations with northern Macedonia, this decision will not find support in the Bulgarian parliament and will certainly lead to the Prime Minister's downfall. And let us ask ourselves which Prime Minister would next dare to raise the same issue, knowing that he will fall in an instant.
1: Following the outcomes of the Conference on the Future of the EU, RTBF has spoken to MEP Sophia Inutveld about the EU's democratic legitimacy. The Dutch Renew Europe member is an active proponent of EU reform. Her efforts focus in particular on the European Council, which she cites as being especially undemocratic.
3: What is the European Council? It has no mandate, neither from the Parliament nor from citizens. You can't demand responsibility or accountability from the European Council or dismiss it when it makes mistakes. It is therefore an anti-democratic body, and I think that when we change the EU treaties, we should not only give more power to the EP, but also, and above all, address this democratic deficit in the European Council. And when you look at the European Council sanctions on Russia, a single head of state, Viktor Orban from Hungary, can paralyze everything, can hold the EU hostage. He will withdraw his veto, I can tell you this already, but he will ask for a lot of money in return. So it's really perverse. This has nothing to do with democracy. But the key question is whether the EU is able to respond effectively to today's challenges, to the challenges of this world. Do we really believe that we can make decisions unanimously behind
1: closed doors? I don't think so. As we reported a couple of weeks back, Emmanuel Macron recently threw his weight behind the idea of reforming the EU treaties, a proposal that is strongly resisted by many member states. Political philosopher Joséphine Staron is director of international relations at the French governance think tank Sinopia. She tells France's Euradio, the newest member of the Euronet Plus network, why Macron may be right. Let's
3: take a recent example. Spain and Portugal decided to freeze electricity prices and Jean-Luc Mélenchon was quick to point to them as an example, saying that they had disobeyed European rules since it is the EU that sets electricity prices for its member states. But they were not disobeying anything because they had received a special derogation from the European Commission. The discussions lasted for more than a month, but Spain and Portugal finally managed to convince the Commission that this derogation was necessary because there were too few connections with the rest of the continent. And one thing that's certain is that the European treaties are no longer entirely adapted to the current context. The most recent one, the Lisbon Treaty, was signed more than 14 years ago, so Emmanuel Macron's proposal to revise the
1: treaties is far from absurd. So we'll leave you there, but join us again next week for more insight into the news as reported from around the EU.